Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke, or Luke, that's where we've been. Now we're in Deuteronomy. Sorry, different book altogether, right? <clears throat> I'll put the little tag in there. Luke, uh, Deuteronomy 11, uh, verses 1 through 7. What's happened in chapter 10 of Deuteronomy is this. What's happened is that there's been a, uh, um, this is where we get the telling of the Exodus story again in the Old Testament. And so in it, we have this remarkable, uh, the reintroduction of the tablets of the, the Ten Commandments. Remember, it, Moses comes down from the mountain and the tablets are broken and uh, they need to be reestablished. And in the 10th chapter of Deuteronomy, they are. And then uh, the essence of the law is talked about again. And by the time we get to uh, the 11th chapter, uh, this is what we're told. You shall love the Lord your God, therefore, and keep his charge, his decrees, his ordinances, and his commandments always. Remember today that it was not your children who have not known or seen the discipline of the Lord our God, but it is you who must acknowledge his greatness, his mighty hand and his outstretched arm, his signs and his deeds that he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land. What he did to the Egyptian army, to their horses and chariots. How he made the water of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued you. So that the Lord has destroyed them to this day. That he did to you what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place. And what he did to Dathan and Abram, sons of Eliab, sons of of Reuben, how in the midst of all Israel the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up along with their households, their tents, and every living being in their company. For it is your own eyes that have seen every great deed that the Lord did. It is your eyes that have seen every great deed that the Lord did. It is not up to your children to tell the story. It's up to you who have seen the mighty hand of God to tell what you've seen, what you've heard, what you know. Pray with me. God, help us to tell your story. Amen. There are other places in the scripture that talk about the hand of God. <clears throat> There's one in Psalms, I believe, that says something like this, that the mighty hand of God is stretched out ready to crush you. So it's not one that's a f one we share a lot on Sunday mornings. It's not a real upper. But um, <clears throat> how do you, how do we experience the hand of God. How do you experience the hand of God in your life? <clears throat> I can tell one that comes from our, our, our own congregation in recent days that um, we shared with you at the beginning of the year that our needs, as we were thinking in stewardship and session and other places, we we're thinking, how do we how do we let the facility work for us so it doesn't just drain all our resources, 
So we're not, we don't spend our last days as a church just paying for a building that eventually uh, we won't occupy anymore. How do we do that so we can do ministry and that these won't be our last days doing this work? And remember, they talked about all of that. You're going to get a report on that here pretty soon. And they talked about different ways we were thinking. We had a myriad of ideas. We entertained a school at one time that would come in and take over the whole facility. That would have solved all our financial problems, but it would have created a whole bunch more and wouldn't have enhanced our ministry. And so that was, uh, we said no to that. And, you know, each time we said no to something, it, our dates, we said we need somebody to be spending some money here by September. And so we kept giving our, you know, we needed something to give. And so we, we were um, working a lot of different ideas. We even created an alcohol policy for the church. That Did you know that? <clears throat> we created an alcohol policy for the church. I think we talked to you about it. We shared it. But the alcohol policy basically said, how can people outside the church use our facilities for events where they would normally serve alcohol? So we've got a, a fairly significant policy that other churches have used as a way of saying, um, this is what it looks like for us to do it in a safe and responsible way. And it also allows us then for people to come and have celebrations. I think the first celebration that we had that served alcohol was beer and wine, and it was, uh, it was our neighbors, you know, um, from, from uh, just right over here. And so it was solidarity at their banquet. <clears throat> and so we did that, and then... Um, we, we had some things to do before we could actually open the property up. We have a lot of things to fix. We've had air conditioners to fix, and we've had um, uh, bathrooms to unclog and toilet seats, to new toilets to put in. This group's done a tremendous amount behind the scenes. And one day we had to have some doors fixed. So we had this door company come, and I think, Barbara, it was you talking about yeah, we have to get this done because we, we, uh, we hope to have you know, somebody come and, and we want to rent out the space. And the guy working on the door went, uh, just a minute, my boss is one of the pastors at our church. So he went out to his truck and he called his boss right away and said, hey, this church is looking to rent their space. And that's how Journey Church came to be. Is that the hand of God? It is, isn't it? It's the hand of God. We are so grateful for them uh, leaning into it. It took some months for it all to work and for all the pieces to come together. And we're still working out what it means to share the property. But they paid a, a, a rent check to us at the beginning of August. And um, we have a pretty good agreement for three years. My guess is they're going to want more and more space. Yeah. Was it coincidence or fate? Was it the hand of God or was it luck? You can decide for yourself. I don't think it's necessary to say that was the hand of God. But if you see that and can say how God's character is taking care of this congregation over the years, then it's easy to say God's hand was in this. I can also say you'll know when it's the hand of God. You'll see it. It'll become apparent and it'll come just in time, not just in case. The hand of God is seen just in God's time. And oftentimes it's not our timing. And more often than not, we're almost desperate 
And God lets us get there so we can see clearly what God's up to. I hope that these tenants, and they are tenants right now, could become partners in caring for this community. And that'll be a fascinating journey together. So how do you experience just a hand, an extended hand? How do we experience that as human beings? Now, not all hands coming our way are, are um, positive. Um, when I was, uh, I moved home one summer, my dad had in his uh, alcoholism and threatened my mom and I moved home and uh, thought I could be a, a mediator there or at least protect my mom from physical threat. And it was the worst decision I ever made. Um, uh, that was between them, they had to figure that out. Um, but I remember one day my dad took a swing at me and he wasn't sober and I caught his hand and I just said, don't do that to me again. And my dad became less than a human being to me in that moment. And he became less of a human a father to me in his own mind. And he kind of shrank. Those are not positive extensions of hands. We know it. Um, some, some hands are unwelcome. But how are hands welcome? We can hold hands. My favorite scene, and it's just, it touches me. I watched it this week on YouTube again. I was going to show it, but it's hard to, to really get the picture of it in here. It's sort of a dark uh, scene from Toy Story 3. And if you remember the movie, all those toys, uh, Buzz Lightyear and Woody and, and all of them are together and they've They've left the confines of their home and they're out in this great adventure and they've been scooped up and they're being thrown into a furnace and their toy parts are going down where they're going to be melted down into new things. And they're in there and they're desperately trying to, to go back up and climb back up this rubble that keeps going down towards the furnace. And you remember that scene and they, they're there and it's just heartbreaking and they finally... Buzz looks at one of the other ones and, and they just let go and he reaches out a hand and they all start to join hands to face the end. And then, because it's a story, they're saved and they, had go, they go on to make Toy Story 4, of course, because it's a big money maker, but, but it's that remarkable moment that we, we experience that, the idea they didn't want to be alone. And sometimes experiencing somebody's hand is a way of not being alone. We're in it together. They were in it together, holding hands. We can also experience an extended hand as a hand that lets go so something better can take place. It's not a negative thing. C.S. Lewis in his little book, Screwtape Letters. Remember, Screwtape is this devil and he's trying to tempt, he's teaching a younger tempter how to get a human to uh, deny God, which he calls our father below, or our father, or, or the enemy. And Satan's called our father below. And, and it's this long, uh, serious, hardest book Lewis ever wrote, he said. Because every day he wrote it, he had to put on the perspective of being a devil. And it just, it just, uh, kind of wore him out writing it. 
But he writes this, this tempter says, we, the devils, the tempters, the demons, cannot, God cannot tempt to virtues as we do, to vice. God wants them to learn to walk, and if only the will to walk is really there, God is pleased with even their stumbles. So you, there's a moment, and we're experiencing this with our grandson, and some of you remember it from your own children, or you remember it with your grandchildren, or you're watching it now. There's a moment, we, and, and so Luke is just starting to sit up and sit on his own. In fact, he is. And, um, but he can get a little tippy, right? So he's sitting up, and he's fine, and then all of a sudden he starts to, to veer, you know? And your hand is right there, so you keep him propped up, so he can keep remembering what it's like to sit up. So you sort of catch him. But you do take your hand off. And there's going to come a day where he's walking along and we'll help him. We'll take our hand away so he can walk on his own. It's what God intends. So that's another way we can experience hands. Another one is, I've, I've shared with you Millard Fuller who started Habitat for Humanity. There, the the uh, slogan, one of the slogans in Habitat is uh, we offer a hand up, not a hand out. So when we build homes with Habitat for Humanity, and I've been parts of lots of builds over my lifetime and helping in, in hundreds of homes, that what we're doing is we're doing it in partnership with the homeowners. So the homeowner's investment in their home is sweat equity. They have to come and work. If they're physically unable to work on the house, they do something else to help it move along. And so we are not giving a handout, but a hand up. So it's not a freebie. People are expected to work and participate. I like that vision. A mighty hand can be closed-fisted, too. A mighty hand can be menacing. Or a mighty hand can actually be open. Open and giving to others. Never forget Millard talking about Leviticus in one of our conferences. And Millard said this, we need to open our hands to our poor brothers and sisters in generosity. Open your hand. We can be held up. We can be held on to. We can be held out. So many ways we can experience hands. So how have you experienced the hand of God? Is it like this? Open generosity. Is it this? That God walks beside you and holds your hand so that God doesn't get too far ahead or you don't get too far behind? Is it this? where it's just comfort at a bedside. How have you 
experience the hand of God. And if you haven't, then I hope the one thing you do today is say, God, I want to experience your hand. And if it's been a long time, say, God, I want to experience your hand afresh. I don't want it to be a memory that fades. I want it to be a reality in the moment. It is you who must acknowledge God's greatness, his mighty hand and his outstretched arm, his signs and his deeds that he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, to the king of Egypt, to all the land, for it is your own eyes that have seen every great deed that the Lord did. Keep then this entire commandment. The people of God had experienced God's mighty hand and were asked to give witness to all that he had done. They were to remember, not nostalgically, but to drop into the present, the, their present consciousness that, though, that God is doing a new thing it is a, as a mighty act, it's as mighty as the actions of the past. So for this church, what God wants to do are, as, are acts that are as mighty as the acts of the past and wants to do them in you now. The circumstance is different. The resources are, dif are different. You're different. You're more experienced. You should have a longer list of things to celebrate about what God does. And all that more reason to want to tell about it and show it. The statement that we have in our, um, for our PNC about the character of our church starts with this. We are motivated to do good things with and for others. I added that. Because God has done good things with and for us. We are motivated to do good things for others because God has done good things for us. We are motivated, motivated, moved, energized. I don't know what other words I can use for it. There are a whole bunch of them. Get going. We are motivated to do good things because God has done good things for us. For Israel, they were once strangers and sojourners in the land, and God took care of them. They were strangers. They were as good as dead in the ancient world, and God sustained them. And they were welcomed by people that were not their people. The story of Egypt starts off positively, not negatively. It ends in slavery. But because God has been good to us as strangers, we are called upon, Israel was called upon to be good to strangers, to be good to aliens, to resident aliens in our midst, to be welcoming. We don't turn people away. We invite them in. We have examples of that in our history with Camino, with his house. Both are past examples. Both are still operating Though they're not our current ministries, they're ministries we helped uh, house and help get going. We don't keep them going, except maybe through some of our 
gifts. We still own the property next door. We have some current examples. We have been able to sponsor recently a, a family from Afghanistan. We've got others that we, we get to assist along the way. So who is next to be welcomed in our midst? Who is next to be welcomed into this body? Who is not being welcomed in other parts of our culture and in our world? I don't know. But if your eyes are open to the mercies of God, you will be living sacrifices, which means you will be on the lookout for what God wants to show you. Eugene Peterson wrote a book about um, the Bible. Not, not the message, but he wrote a book um, about the scripture, and it called Eat This Book. And, and he comes to um, the Ten Commandments, which are given again in the early part of Deuteronomy uh, 10. And, and he says this, and in Deuteronomy 5, I am the Lord your God, he quotes, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment. He calls them the first word. And this is what he says about it. The first commandment. God without rivals. God without secretly holding on to other options. Our very first commandment. I don't care what you do with the other nine. My guess is you have a hard time getting past the first one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Which in Peterson's way of thinking about it is God without rivals. God without secretly holding on to other options. We confessed earlier today so what options are you still holding on to secretly that didn't get confessed? You have time before we come to this table. God held on to us, and we are to hold on to God without holding on to other options. At this table, God holds out Jesus to us and says, receive his life as your own. Pray with me.